Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode 18. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. And welcome to Monday and welcome to Week 1 of the 2023 NFL season. The Pittsburgh Steelers just six days away from their debut against the San Francisco 49ers, 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time at Acrisure Stadium. First NFL game will be Thursday between the Chiefs and the Lions. We are recording this. Just a quick note, Dave and I on on Sunday. So if anything major happens from now until then, just a heads up there. But Dave, welcome to Week One. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, a bunch of great college football action that we got to watch on Saturday. Uh, are you uh, look, Deion Sanders keeping receipts, uh, Alex? <laughs> uh, boy, you you got to be impressed with what they uh, did. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, especially coming out of the season they had last year, and and uh, just. Look, it was a fantastic weekend overall, and and now I'm looking forward to getting into the NFL season uh, starting this week and interested to find out what happens with the 49ers and a guy like Joey Bosa. Surely, uh, or Nick, Nick Bosa, Bosa yeah. uh, surely they're going to get, uh, surely they're going get to get him signed, right? You would think so, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Maybe we can mention a comment or two that Kyle Shanahan said about that. Yeah, great action of college football, although I'm currently watching Rutgers and Northwestern, and I can say it is it is one of the games that was played this weekend, Dave. That's about all I can say for this snooze fest right now. It's a game that deserves to be played on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is the sleep on the couch kind of game. But Dave, let's get back into it. Pittsburgh Steelers not sleeping this weekend as they rounded out their practice squad. And so I want to talk about that. And then in just a little bit, we'll get to a round table with Josh Carney and Joe Clark to get their thoughts on the Steelers 2023 season and their season predictions and some pretty spicy takes in this one. So stay tuned for that in just a few minutes, but wanted to mention you and I, Dave at the top here, the uh, final names added to Pittsburgh's practice squad, three names in running back Quadre Olison, former pit product linebacker, Tariq Carpenter, which I believe was already uh, mentioned, uh, running back, fullback Xander Horvath, uh, former uh, Los Angeles Charger and Purdue Boilermaker. And I believe that is the list of new names added to round out the Pittsburgh Steelers 16 man practice squad. Yeah, look, I mean, you already got a lot of excitement about this 53 man roster, the way it currently sits uh, uh, at the time of us recording uh, this. And and you look at the last three names added to this combined with the previous uh, 13. Uh, Monty Pottybaum, who? Uh, look, I, 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 we, we asked the guys later on in this round tables, uh, session here that's attached to this, uh, opening, uh, you know, kind of guys that they're most excited about and, you know, practice squad, uh, as, as a whole, I, I, for, for a practice squad, for what it is, I think it's a nice mix and match of, of guys, obviously a few, few, uh, few rookies in here, a couple of first, second year guys, and, you know, a couple, couple handful more experienced guys, uh, 
I, I like you know which way I was going when I like those oh, I, big, I like those fullbacks and those tight ends and and what those, a great name Xander Horvath yeah that guy sounds like a fullback there <laughs> and uh, man there's some great clips of him uh, uh, you know caught a, caught a couple of passes I think for touchdowns with the Chargers you go back to his Purdue uh, tape and start messing around with that and uh, I we're we're going to see this guy uh, elevated a time or two. I Ooh, think uh, you're coming uh, in hot today. Yeah, I'm, I, look, I, 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 I've, I've, I'm, I'm bringing it all out right now. <laughs> I think I and I haven't got into a special team's tape or anything like that, but just looks like a guy just willing to do everything uh, uh, for you there. So uh, and look, you know, Tariq Carpenter, a, a, a very athletic guy coming out of what Georgia Tech, and you know, the question is, he going to be a safety? Is he going to be a linebacker? I think uh, the Packers made the move uh, from him from safety to linebacker. I don't think we know exactly what the what the Steelers look uh, look at him as, but it just been because of that position flexibility overall, it, it allows you to do some certain things with him uh, as, as a practice squad uh, player overall. So uh, some some interesting. And look, Quadri uh, Olison, you know, obviously a pit product uh, has uh, played some snaps in the NFL there. Uh, the only thing I, I thought we would see as part of this unit is, is, is a more, you know, truly, truly center capable guy, but by the, them not having one right now on the practice squad, I think that lends itself to uh, how confident they are uh, in, 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 in what they have and the center capable guys that they have on the 53 man roster. So I'm over that aspect of it. I was a little bit surprised, uh, once again, that they don't have a center on there, but I think it speaks to their confidence of what they have in Cole and obviously Nate Herbig. And even to a lesser degree, God forbid, if you need it, uh, you know, Spencer Anderson, and you do have a couple other guys on that offensive line who have taken snaps at center in an NFL game, albeit not much. And then, you know, go back to the college days with James Daniels. If you got into a pitch, you could obviously throw him in there. Sure. Why not? Why, or I should say, why add a center when you want to give the guys you have reps? I mean, Herbig's going to need some reps and Anderson probably gets a couple reps here and there. It's tough in season and practice, but I'm sure these guys will be be working that and they've been in camp. So let's just go ahead and, and have those guys do their thing as opposed to trying to, you know, consider any sort of outside name at this point. Horvath is kind of cut from that pot of bomb cloth. He was a linebacker turned running back fullback had great testing out of Purdue and he's got good feet for his size and frame. And, you know, I did the scouting report on him what, two years ago and didn't put a draftable grade, but I said he was an interesting undrafted free agent and he spent some time with the chargers and I hadn't really followed what he, he'd been doing with the, uh, with the chargers, but apparently some chargers fans unhappy with Horvath, uh, you know, being, being taken by Pittsburgh here. So uh, that's a guy that, you know, we'll see what happens, but Pittsburgh likes their, their backs big and Horvath offer, offers that. And, uh, Olison offers that as well. So when it comes to the backfield, they want size and they added two guys who fit the bill. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, once again, you know, uh, as far as practice squads go, I mean, look, some of these guys are going to come and go and uh, just the overall uh, aspect of the, of the season and the needs uh, at, at certain positions will cause this group to change. But I mean, a good 10 of these guys after the season's over might have spent the whole the whole season on, you know, on the practice squad. And you're going to see some elevations at some point from, from some of these guys for, 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 for whatever reason here, but uh, I mean, nice looking group for, for this 16. 
Yeah, I think so. Especially in the secondary, a bunch of corners, slot capable guys added Anthony Brown and Josiah Scott. So, you know, that, that there's a ton of slot corners on this entire team, whether it's 53 or the practice squad. So I don't know exactly how these things are going to shake out, but there are a lot of options there for the Steelers to consider. Absolutely. You had mentioned top of the show about Nick Bosa and 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan was speaking with some 49ers radio hosts uh, earlier today or recently sometime over the weekend and, you know, said he's going to do everything he can to get Bosa there for week one. Unless that means meeting his asking price, I'm not sure what Shanahan exactly is going to do. But, you know, my assumption is, and probably yours as well, is that Bosa will be there for the 49ers game. The question becomes, how much will he play? What kind of snap count will he be on? Yeah, look, uh, we're, once again, we're recording this on Sunday, so we might be at the mercy of missing uh, something here. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I almost wonder if, if this will get announced you know, Sunday night or, 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 or Monday morning, because look, you coming out, uh, I think most teams let their players off uh, for this weekend, uh, you know, except for the teams obviously playing uh, on, on Thursday night. I think the Chiefs and Lions are, are obviously hard at it. And, you know, I think uh, the rest of the teams Monday is typically regarded as kind of a bonus day uh, overall there. And, it will. I don't know what the what 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 the Steelers or the 49ers schedule is for Tuesday, but generally, you know, that's considered an off day there. Uh, they, you know, both teams obviously will get hard at it. Back to work on on Wednesday there. I I would I would think that they would get something done uh, with Bosa uh, uh, before then. But and even if they do, I, I think it becomes an interesting topic of. Look, I mean, and 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 Shanahan said this. You know, he expects him. He's uh, he's he's been in shit football shape since two and a half or something, uh, uh, long two and a half years old or something like that. And uh, I, I expect him to be in, in 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 good physical condition. But but how much football? How what what will this do to a week from you know Sunday? And will you be forced to kind of just? kind of protect him from himself, if you will. And is this something that could look not having Bosa on the field for any snaps is a positive for your offense overall. Mm-hmm. And I think this is just one of maybe a few aspects here of this ahead of this matchup week one for the Steelers. That's that's building, you know, kind of a perfect storm situation here. And and look, what if they don't get him signed? You know, I know that's, I know a lot of people uh, would, would go against that. And even I, I, I'll be surprised if they, if they don't get him signed, but what if they indeed don't get him signed uh, until much later in the week or, or don't get him signed at all by, by next Sunday? Sure. I, I think regardless, even if he signs as we're recording this, he's going to be limited in some capacity. The guy hasn't practiced since January, and I'm sure he's staying in shape and you know conditioning on the side. And he's you know Nick Bosa, reigning defensive player of the year. He probably doesn't need as much as you know some lesser player would. But you know Kyle Shanahan even made a nod to that and said we have to think about him long term as well. They got a long season to go through. It's a, it's an 18 week, 17 game you know slog, and so it's not all about just winning week one, especially against an AFC opponent. So, I mean, I think there'll be a snap count there, but that would still mean that I assume Bose is going to play on third downs, passing downs, which is still the biggest way he can impact the game. So while Pittsburgh may get some benefit by not facing him on first and 10 or second and seven, you know, third and third, third and five, you know, you're going to still have to deal with Bosa from, uh, from with, with, I should say, Dan Moore and Shaquille Markor for stay out of third and long. Yeah, that's easy to to drop on the whiteboard, but you're you're probably going to find yourself in that situation 
or time or two in this game. So we'll keep you posted. I think Bosa will be there as well, but I think he will be on some sort of snap count. I do as well. All right, Dave, anything else to talk about? Anything else we're missing? I think we kind of hit on the big things overall. So uh, unless you have anything else you want to add here real quick, we can get to the roundtable with Joe Clark and Josh Carney. We'll take a pause and come right back. And welcome back to the Terrible Podcast. And as we just mentioned a moment ago, a bit of a Steelers Depot roundtable here for this Monday to get you guys ready for the week one kickoff on Sunday between the Pittsburgh Steelers and San Francisco 49ers. Joining us today should be some familiar names and voices to the site and to the show in Josh Carney and Joe Clark. We went to Jonathan Hightritter here. He could not make it, but we'll have him at some point probably in the near future to get his thoughts on the Steelers season. So, uh, Josh, Joe, been with the site for quite some time. Josh, uh, Josh, especially Joe's been a pasteurizing member of the Steelers Depot ladder. So really happy to have both you guys on. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on again, guys. Yeah, sure thing. Joe, how about you? Yeah, excited to be here. Looking forward to it. And uh, Joe's uh, the the bachelor life now. He's moved out. He's got his own place. So congratulations to that. And uh, we're really thankful for all that you guys have done during a very busy August and, of course, getting ready for the season. So, Dave, let's jump on in. I mean, I can just kind of ask the overall question if you want, Dave, to, to Joe and Josh about your, your feelings about the team. Was there anything more specific that you wanted to, to lead off with, though, Dave? Uh, I tell you what, let's lead off with this. Uh, both of you, your biggest concern coming out of this year's draft and is that a is that a same concern now about this 2023 uh Steelers team or or has that changed is there a biggest concern now so really your know, biggest concern coming out of the draft and is that the same concern now or is there or, or what is your biggest concern now my biggest concern coming out of the draft was the edge depth uh you know I wrote the article Steelers were making a mistake putting uh, Nick Herbig at, at, at the edge position, and uh, that has completely blown up in my face. And and good thing that that happened. Uh, but I was very concerned. This was obviously coming out of the draft before they signed Marcus Golden. Um, but now with those two in in Golden and Herbig behind T.J. Watt, now it's Highsmith. I feel very very good uh, about that position overall. I think it's it's arguably the strength of the team right now. Now that we're a week away from the season. Um, I know this is going to sound a little different from from what others might think, but I'm kind of worried about depth at safety. You know, Demonte Casey and Keanu Neal, they're they're solid pieces on paper, but those guys struggle to stay healthy historically. Uh, there's not much there behind Minka Fitzpatrick from a true free safety style. I know that Casey has done it before, but uh, I don't know that I feel overly comfortable if, if Minka were to go down, if sliding Casey to free and putting Keanu Neal at, at strong safety full-time, um, you know, that, that doesn't give me a comforting feeling. And and Miles Killebrew is just a special teams guy at this point. So that's my biggest concern right now is the safety depth. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Joe, same, same set of questions to you. Yeah, so coming out of the draft, I think it had to probably be inside linebacker depth. I mean, I was kind of really banking on Cole Holcomb to have a good year, and that's really what I think they're going to have to do. But bringing in Alexander and the way that group looked in the preseason, uh, that fear has pretty much, pretty much gone away. Like, I'm actually really excited about this unit. I think it's going to be an impressive group. Um, definitely better than what they've had in years past. And then as far as my biggest concern, I mean, it's a basic one, but it's really just like, can the offense carry that momentum they showed in the preseason and make that jump into the regular season and keep playing the way that they played? 
because, I mean, we we saw it in the, against the Bills' first team. It was mostly backups against Tampa and Atlanta. So I really want to see how much of a jump they take going into the regular season. Because that's really going to be, I think, one of the deciding factors of just how far this team can go. When you, uh, when you look at this team really starting back in, you know, February, March and all like that. And then, you know, fast forward and through and when Alex and I have talked about this several times, it, it almost seems like you couldn't have drawn out a, 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 a better off season here overall. And look, I mean, uh, doing this as long as I've done it. Oh, I, I try to not get too high or too low to certain you know, during certain aspects uh, of the off season and all, but I don't think, I mean, I told Alex, I think even 12 year old Dave's you know, fanboys coming out. I, I, I think uh, more so than normal. When you look at this team, uh, what was, what has been the biggest surprise? I think o- overall, what has been the biggest surprise, you know, as far as the takeaway goes about this team, let's say since the draft. Hmm. That's, that's, that's a good question. I think the, the easy answer is probably just the way the offense has looked. You know, I know obviously training camp is one thing, but then you have the five drives in the preseason, five touchdowns, explosive plays, you know, an explosive play on the ground uh, that finds the end zone, something we haven't seen in a while. I think that's the easy answer. But, but for me, what's been the most surprising, quite honestly, has been that inside linebacker room, Uh, you know, I liked the the move to sign uh, Elandon Roberts. I think he fits exactly what they want at the buck. Um, but Cole Holcomb and, and Quan Alexander, the way that they've looked uh, at times here in in training camp and obviously into the preseason, has has really been surprising. And that that group feels really solid uh, overall. Kind of like what Joe said earlier. But um, yeah, I think for me. The biggest thing is that offense, and and you're getting that that fanboy coming out in me a little bit. That younger fanboy with this offense, like, wow, it could it could legitimately be an NFL offense at this point? Nothing like what we've seen the last two years, where you know the only time they have success is is you know when the quarterback kind of goes off script and and you know up tempo. This feels like a group that's going to attack the middle of the field. The offensive line looks really good in the run game, so there's going to be balance there. Uh, and you've just got this quarterback that, you know, in, instills confidence uh, in everything that they're doing right now. So that's that's kind of where I'm at. I think that's the biggest adjective to to describe Kenny heading into this 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 season is just uh, and we've talked about it, you know, really since he was drafted, just about him and the. Uh, you know, nothing seems to phase him aspect. And then, you know, we've heard the reports of how hard he's worked during the offseason, went back and watched every every incompletion and 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 obviously his offseason work with Tony Rask. Nothing seems to really, you know, uh, fluster this guy from what we've seen so far. Now, I still contend that we'll learn pretty much, uh, you know, uh, a lot more by, by through the uh, week, week six of the season. But uh, <laughs> you look back at this preseason and and and, and on, it's, it's hard not to get not to go ahead and draw the line in the sand and say that uh, this this kid has arrived here, Joe. Uh, what what has been the biggest surprise for you about this team since the uh, since the draft? Mine's really just been that everybody's been as advertised. I feel like we haven't had any like major letdowns. Like somebody that we thought would look good hasn't looked good. I mean, the rookie class obviously Herbig had a monster preseason. Joey Porter Jr. looked solid. I mean, Dan Moore beat up Roderick Jones, but it's not. Because Broderick Jones struggled in any major capacity, even though like, the free agent additions, Roberts was a monster against Atlanta. 
Holcomb's looked solid. Alexander's been as advertised. Everybody they've brought in has pretty much been, you know, what we hoped and expected there'd be. There's been nobody. It's like, ah, that kind of, I'm a little worried about him. I don't know about that move. I mean, it's still early, but throughout training camp, the preseason, there's really just been nobody that I think has been like a real major disappointment. And that's something that at least right now is worth getting excited about. If anything, if anything, a few of them have over-delivered. You know, you get you got like Spencer Anderson. I mean, we knew he was versatile, but uh, just how versatile and would we see it during the preseason? And, you know, obviously you, you would have liked to seen more of Joey Porter Jr., uh, but in his limited time on the field, he looked good. And then, then Nick Herbig, man, you you want to you, you want to be thankful about being, being wrong about somebody. Uh, I mean, if anything – uh, the biggest surprise is that a, a couple of these kids are, are, are seemingly over-delivering. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, I, I think it's a good segue, Joe. There's 19 new names on the Steelers' initial roster that weren't here, that weren't Pittsburgh Steelers a year ago. And as you said, a lot of these guys have impressed. And the most recent addition, we'll get eyes on you know once this team practices uh, with Desmond King. So, Josh, I want to start with you, though. Of all these new additions, whether it was free agency, trade, draft, whatever the case is, what addition do you think will have the singular biggest impact on this 2023 Pittsburgh Steelers squad? You know, if you would have asked me before they added Desmond King, I, I would have said Isaac Sayamalu, but just looking at, at, at King's body of work, you know, slot corner, I think he solidifies the you know outside corner depth a bit. I think he played over 500 snaps on the outside last year in Houston. Uh, I think that that is a significant piece that they added to this group. Uh, it was a position that, you know, we were all concerned about coming into training camp and not that, you know, Chandon Sullivan and Elijah Riley did anything wrong. Um, you know, I thought that they solidified the group overall, but adding that type of talent uh, in Desmond King, a guy that can play in the slot, he can play outside. He's he's good coming downhill and run support. He's got good ball skills. I think that's going to be a guy that kind of changes the outlook in the secondary a little bit. Um, you know, I think it's going to take him you know, a couple of weeks to get his feet underneath him and get up and running in the scheme overall. But I mean, that's a guy that they've had their eye on since 2017. I know Alex, you did the piece from the senior bowl. Uh, he said he wanted to be a Steeler then uh, it just took a, it took a few years, but uh, he steps into the black and gold again uh, this time at the NFL level and at a, a great time for him with a clear cut role. And I think he's really just going to change the 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 outlook and the shape on the field at times uh, with this secondary, with his experience and his overall abilities. Yeah, I think it's a it's a fair choice. I'm I'm going to still stick with say Malu though. I think he's flown under the radar at left guard, but it's just such a, a serious upgrade and kind of that that missing link along the O line. Joe, same question to you. Many additions, draft picks, for agency, the recent names that have just signed. But who do you think will have the the single biggest impact of these new Pittsburgh Steelers? Yeah, I'm going to go with Sayamalo, too. I mean, okay. on the field, he's a road grader. He's a technician. We saw him open up the hole on that Jalen Warren run. He's immediately the best offensive lineman on the team. But I think that off the field, that's him as a leader. We heard throughout training camp, Mason Cole and James Daniels kind of talked about, you know, how he's, just, he's a guy that, you know, he, he teaches them after every single play. Uh, they talked about watching his tape when he was with the Eagles. Um, he's been on a lot of really, really talented offensive lines in Philadelphia. He's somebody that just brings a new voice to that room and a new energy for what's a you know, pretty young offensive line. Um, even though like some guys like Daniels and a core four have some experience, they're not they're not all that old and they haven't played on like any really, really accomplished lines like Sam Malo has. So I think just 
his body of work brings the unit up not only for his work on the field, but his work off the field is just going to elevate the level of play across the offensive line. If Kenny Pickett more time to throw open up holes for Harrison Warren, really, really excited about him this season. Dave, uh, anything uh, else you wanted to add? Uh, yeah, what uh, if it, you know? I, I want to try to keep it balanced here because we we sure are painting this thing very, very positive right now with good reason. But what would you say? I mean, it's fantastic off season by Omar Khan. Once again, I don't think you could have painted this or 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 or, or, or drawn it out uh, any better. But what would you say if you had to choose what uh, a biggest maybe mistake or thing that uh, Omar Khan didn't get done uh, from 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 February to now, Josh? You know, I kind of want to go to what something he did that might have been a mistake, and just hear me out on this. It might be okay. the Larry Ogunjobi contract. I mean. The foot issue, again, I know that we all liked that signing at the time, but, I mean, pretty quickly in training camp, the injury pops up. He hasn't practiced since, what, the middle of August? He didn't play in any preseason games. I mean, it, it that is that is a real concern. There's, I mean, there's some money tied up there. You know, they were banking on him being a key guy opposite Cam Hayward. Um that's really the only thing where I'm like, could that have been a mistake? You know, that's all again, that's in hindsight. Cause I had no, nothing bad to say about the signing at the time. Uh, but just the way it's kind of played out here this summer uh, is a little bit of a concern for me uh, outside of that. You know, honestly, something he didn't do, uh, I would probably go back to, to what I, I talked about earlier, just adding another safety that could be that true free safety with some experience behind Minka. I was thinking, honestly, that they would go out and kind of take a look at some of these names that might be out there, uh, you know, and take a flyer on a guy. Um, but I think maybe that's that shows the confidence they have that, that Patrick Peterson could slide into a safety role at times for them. Uh, I just – I would have liked to have seen another vet added there uh, in, in the secondary at the safety position because, you know, the two guys in Casey and Neal – just have me a little concerned with their injury history. Uh, and then in turn, that's going to put more on Minka uh, overall. Fair enough. Uh, Joe, uh, if you had to point out something, a mistake or, or, or something you would have liked to seen Omar Khan uh, do uh, from, from February until now, what, what would it be? Yeah. So I think, I think I'm going to go I mean, it's not even that big of a deal because Anthony McFarland Jr. did look good in the preseason. He's running the ball and working out of the backfield, had a couple of good pass block reps. But I think it's just not addressing that RB3 spot with, you know, more of a proven veteran, somebody who can be a little more of a threat on special teams. And even like, I mean, Harris had the foot injury last year. Jalen Warren missed a game. If one of those guys goes down, you're thrusting McFarland into a much bigger role. And I mean, his rookie year is the most he played. We haven't seen him really have to take on a bigger role over the last couple of years. So, how effective is he going to be in case something happens? I mean, I guess you can go and if it does, then you can maybe add a body. But I'm I'm a little I'm a little concerned about you know not adding more of a proven guy in that spot. Um, and I mean, again, it's nitpicky. He had a great offseason, but if there's anything that he didn't do that I would have liked to see him do, I think it's definitely adding another running back to you know really compete and uh, maybe overtake McFarland for that RB three. 
So we're uh, we're 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 being super cra- we're, we're dealing with some first world problems here, right? <laughs> well, I, I would just I would just say I think there's an obvious answer to that question, and, and this is just one man's opinion. But I think letting Cam Sutton walk to Detroit was a mistake. Yeah. And come back, you're going to feel some of that pinch. And I know that you know replacing with Peterson, he's going to offer some value. But Sutton, younger, you're going to get more mileage out of him. There's less questions about you know Peterson shifting around for the first time in his career. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. It's hard to say. And I know he was a bit cheaper than Sutton, but not significantly so. And so I think losing him out of the gate was a surprise and and was a mistake. All right. I'll still kind of contend that I was, you know, I, I, I'm still interested in this backup center thing. You know, uh, obviously it looks like uh, uh, Nate Herbig's going to be that guy right now. But heck, they didn't even sign up a, a backup center to the practice squad. At least, uh, you know, this, this initial uh, 16 man unit here. Uh, you know, my, I, I guess my biggest concern really overall is is not that they didn't go out and address it. It's just I wonder if if, if Nate Herbert can be that guy. Uh, sure. And 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 here's the hope in us not having to find out. Uh, the you know the answer to that. So uh, I understand why they have gone the way that they have done. You know, gone here. You know, obviously Herbig has some limited experience there, but that's something I was rattling the cage about most of the offseason Is is you know they, they you know it, it can't be Kendrick Green, and thankfully it's not. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, McCollum, you kind of knew that probably wasn't going to pan out uh, there. And then, you know, I I would probably feel better had Nate Herbig played more snaps during the preseason there, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I would probably still list that. And once again, here, you know, we're, 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 we're kind of talking about first world problems here because we, we named off the Ogan Joby contract. We named off, uh, you know, a, a backup free safety. We named off a backup running back. We're talking about, uh, uh, you know, above average, I guess you'd say corner, cornerback, a veteran cornerback not being signed. And then I'm talking about a backup center. So, you know, are, are we nitpicking? Yeah, but I mean, it, it's our job to kind of ask and discuss these questions, right? Let me ask a question about the 53-man roster construction. Was it the right move for Pittsburgh? And, Joe, I'll start with you. Was it right for Pittsburgh to keep Gunnar Olszewski over Zach Gentry? I think it was. Um, I mean, I wasn't high on Gunnar coming into the uh, training camp of the preseason, but he put a good body of work on tape. Uh, I like that he has – I mean, he wasn't great with it last year, the fumbling issues, but he has the return flexibility of. I mean, Austin doesn't work out, or if I don't know if McFarland's going to start to open up the season as the kick returner, but he, ha- I mean, Oshuski has the special team flexibility. And I think he offers more than Gentry, too, on coverage. Gentry wasn't like he wasn't a huge contributor uh, on the coverage special teams aspect of things. So I like adding Oshuski for that aspect, especially because Gentry's role is a little bit, uh, a little, a little bit of a duplicate with Darnell Washington in the fold, too. I'm just not sure how much you could have really gotten out of Gentry. I mean, we know that he seems like a great locker room guy. His best friend is Fryermuth. So that aspect of it, I think they're going to miss. But in terms of on the football field, I think Olszewski definitely showed enough to prove that he was worthy of a roster spot. And I think he's going to offer a little bit more upside in some of those other facets of the game that Gentry would have. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I'm with Joe. I, I think that Gunner absolutely earned uh, his roster spot. Uh, you know, I thought he he came in, had a really strong camp. He had a, a, a really strong preseason overall. Um, just did a lot of the little things that the Steelers asked him to do. He's just That's the kind of guy you want on the back end of your roster. Uh, you know, with Gentry, 
him and Darnell Washington are really similar right now, at least those, those inline blocking guys. I think obviously Washington's a lot better uh, in, in that area of the game. And I mean, Gentry just doesn't offer you much as a receiver or all that much. That's, that's game changing, you know, special teams wise. So I, I was surprised though, that they did cut Gentry. I always thought there was a possibility as soon as they drafted Darnell Washington. And then, you know, we saw Gentry only got what 152,000 guaranteed on his, his one year deal. Um, but yeah, I think Gunner earned it. I think they did a good job keeping Gunner. Uh, overall, he is that insurance policy for, for Calvin Austin, the third. And again, he's just that guy that, uh, you know, the quarterbacks like they trust him and, and he's going to do legitimately anything the coaching staff asks him to do. And, and like I said, that's a guy that you want on the back half of your roster to kind of lead the way from a veteran standpoint too. Dave, I, I know you, had them cutting Gentry, but I don't know if I've even even asked you, would you prefer them to keep four tight ends or are you good with Gunner being that six wide receiver? If you're, if you're asking me a one for one, which one uh, is a better fit for, for, for the roster between Gunner and, and, and Gentry alone, it's Gunner in my opinion, Uh, plain and simple. You get more special teams aspect. You get, as Joe said, you get an experienced uh, return guy, got, you know, God forbid that you need it. Uh, I mean, look, uh, he is what he is uh, on offense. You know, he's not going to be a guy that catches, you know, he'd be lucky to catch 10. Uh, you hope you don't have to put him in a situation where he has to catch more than 10 balls uh, during the season. But if you did have to even throw him out there on offense and, uh, and you know, uh, uh, offensively, he gives you effort, at least in, in the blocking game. And depending on who he's ha- asked to, uh, 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 to block, you know, uh, you, you're going to get the effort out of sometimes he'll win. Sometimes he'll get thrown into the, into the backfield because of his size. But just if we're talking one for one, uh, who, 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 who belongs on this roster, I think it's Gunner. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Dave, did you have anything else? Uh, what other direction? I think you had some prediction type yeah. questions you wanted to ask the guys. Well, well, first and foremost, Alex and I rounded out the, uh, the, uh, the practice squad at the top of the show, uh, with, 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 you know, three more signings, I think since the last show there and Tariq Carpenter, uh, Xander Horvath and, and, and Quadri Olison. Uh, when you look at this 16, uh, man practice squad as a whole, uh, a, a, what, what do you think about the sixteen? And B, who, who's the guy on the practice squad that 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 you're most excited about? I, you know, I, I kind of like the practice squad overall, um, but I, it's it's a practice squad in general. Um, there's not, there's really not one that stands out to be. I mean, I'll, I'll throw two names out here that I like. Uh, in general, and you know, names that I did some work on pre-draft process. That would be Simi Fajoko. Uh That receiver with that type of you know height, weight, speed, uh, that you know the explosive playmaking ability he had in college um, really impressed me. Uh, you know, I've kind of, I think I've done similar to what Alex has done uh, here in in recent years, and kind of move away from the receivers that don't really create separation. Um, but Fajoko his tape was good at Stanford. You know, he, he was a contested catch guy. He stretched the field. The testing numbers were really impressive and he never was really given a chance in, in Dallas. And I think having that type of guy uh, on the roster uh, is going to be, you know, on the practice squad is going to be key to kind of develop and have that, maybe that future backup to George Pickens. Cause they're, they're similar body type, similar testing numbers. Obviously Fajoko doesn't have the, 
the insane body control and the insane hands that George Pickens does. But uh, I like that flyer that they took. Uh, and I also like Tariq Carpenter. I mean, that I, I thought he would kind of have a, a solid career just from that that uh, safety linebacker hybrid role that he had in, in at Georgia Tech. He was a really good uh, defensive piece for them, and it just hasn't quite clicked uh, in, in the NFL. So getting him from Green Bay and getting him on the practice squad – uh, I believe he's just going to be a linebacker now. Is that is that accurate? I didn't know if he was still going to be that linebacker safety hybrid. They um, they list him, I think, as a safety or defensive back, but I wouldn't be surprised if they they explore more of that inside linebacker. But uh, we'll we'll see. Uh, I don't. I, I think we'll learn as as it yeah. goes on here. But yeah, that's that's a name that when they signed him, I was like, okay, that I I like that a lot. I think he's a good athlete. He's a physical player overall, and. uh it was a good flyer to take, but I mean, they, they did a good job kind of rounding out the practice squad, but like you pointed out, they don't have a center there. So it's, I think they, they have one true center on the, the entire roster 53 and, and the practice squad. So that's a little concerning. That's probably my only gripe with the practice squad overall. Joe, what do you think about the practice squad? Is there one name that sticks out above the others? Yeah, like Josh said, I like Carpenter. Uh, he was a good special teamer for Green Bay last year. That versatility, if he does come down and play linebacker, can be a good coverage linebacker. So he's a guy that I, I like a lot. And then uh, another guy outside the organization they had was Josiah Scott. He picked off two balls for the Eagles last year. And I'm kind of a fan of, you know, if there's a guy that has some NFL success and shows he can do something, throw him on the practice squad, especially with slot corner. I mean, you can never have too many darts just to throw at slot corner and hope one of them hits especially with, you know, with where the Steelers have been in that position in recent years. Uh, maybe, you know, he's a guy that you, they can develop into becoming a solid piece. I mean, now they got King, they got Sullivan, they have um, Elijah Riley. So they got three guys, you know, you can make some match there now. You know, that doesn't even include Peterson if he comes in, you know, down the line. It's, it's a position that they've, in the last couple of seasons since Hilton's left, and even then he struggled in coverage, where they haven't really had a lot of stability or success. So I kind of like having somebody there that they can work with and develop and maybe be another name in the quarterback room down the line. All right. Uh, uh, fast, let's fast forward to January and the uh, annual Joe Green uh, uh, Rookie of the Year Award. Uh, who wins it? Josh? I'm going to say Joey Porter Jr. And that feels like a slight cop out, but because uh, I think he's going to have the most playing time, especially early on. Um, I I just think he's going to be an impactful piece, and then you've obviously got the, you know the 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 bloodline ties with his father and that whole storyline that that people are still attached to. So I think as long as he stays healthy, he's going to win that award. Joe, I really want to say Keanu Benton, but I just don't think he's going to get on the field early enough in the season to you know make enough of an impact to win the award. Whereas Porter, I think he's going to play you know, pretty early and pretty often. So I'm, I'm kind of with Josh on that one. It does feel like a cop out, but just in terms of the fact he's going to play the most, he's got the bloodlines. It's a great story. And I think he's going to be pretty solid. I think he's going to be worthy of the award, but I think if Benton gets on the field early, he can really make an impact. He's got a little pass rush juice. He's a run plugger. So if he does, you know, get on, maybe overtake some snaps from Mon Adams, uh, get, gets, you know, the majority of the snaps come, let's say week three, week four, he could definitely push for the award. Um, but I do think it'll ultimately end up being Porter Jr. All right, let's play a quick, uh, and, and all I want, you know, I don't need a, a, a detailed explanation here, but we're going to play some quick over-under statistical games here uh, based on uh, the latest DraftKings odds with a few of these players here. Uh, uh, 
Let's see. Passing yards for Kenny Pickett over or under 3,300 and a half for Kenny Pickett. Josh. Over. Joe. Over. Sorry. Mute mic uh, was muted. Over. Okay. Passing touchdowns for Pickett over or under 18 and a half. Josh. Over. Joe. Over. Quarterback interceptions, over or under 11 and a half for Pickett? Josh? That's an under for me. Joe? I think I'm going to go over. Okay. The only thing y'all differed in uh, there is the uh, interceptions. Najee Harris, real quick. Rushing yards, over or under 900 and a half? Josh? That's, that's an over for me. Joe? Over. All right. And we'll do... Uh, George Pickens uh, receiving yards over or under 750 and a half uh, receiving <laughs> yards. That's an easy over Joe. Yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely over. All right. So you're saying uh, uh, you can make some money on, on, on taking a lot of the, the, the these overs with these guys here. Uh, let's see, Alex, you, you got anything else before we ask yeah. some magical questions here? Sure. I wanted to ask, let me give you a hypothetical to kind of go to Dave's time machine to January. Let's say in January season's over, Pittsburgh has won the AFC North. What happened for Pittsburgh to win the North? I mean, let me just, you know, to lay that out, you know, for Pittsburgh to win the North, they must do what? And Josh, I'll start with you. Uh, score more than 23 points a game. That That's, that's a number that I'm kind of keep coming back to. Because they they averaged what eighteen and eight point eighteen point one last mm-hmm. year, which is one of the worst numbers in the NFL. I mean, you give me twenty three points a game, and that that defense stays relatively healthy. Uh, I think that's a, a winning formula with how Omar Khan, Andy Weidel have have shaped this roster at this point. Joe, yeah, if they're winning the North, I think they're probably going to have to have a top twelve offense, but. I'm gonna go. With, uh, I'm gonna go here on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, something they've done, you know, a number of times. But if they win, I think they're gonna lead the league in sacks. I think the, the defense is gonna be the, if they can disrupt Joe Burrow, if they can disrupt Lamar Jackson, even Deshaun Watson. Uh, just get them out of rhythm. Get to the quarterback. If they lead the league in sacks, I think they have a decent shot to, you know, push and probably win the North. How how does uh. Uh, let, let, let's, let's address the Mac Canada uh, thing real quick here on a scale of one to 10 with one, not being not concerned at all, uh, to 10 being, Oh Lord, uh, where, where are you on Matt Canada's role in all this in 2023? Uh, probably still a six and a half, seven where I'm like, Okay, you know, it was the preseason. Everything was kind of vanilla, but there was more shots down the field. They used the field, middle of the field more. The explosive plays were there. Maybe it's just that year two confidence from these guys that, you know, maybe part of me is thinking maybe it wasn't all Matt Canada's issue. Maybe it was that young offense just was not confident, um, wasn't executing well enough. But I, I still I have to see it in games that count against you know, starting level defenses. And I think we're going to see that right away in week one. And like you said earlier, we're going to know about this, this offense and this team in general by week six. So I'm I'm still, 
I've come down <laughs> on the whole concern with Matt Canada from where I was coming out of the 2022 season. Uh, but I'm still not at a spot where I'm like, yeah, everything's fine. You know, he, he's not an issue. So I, I, I've got to see it. Joe, where are you on the Matt Canada concern meter? I'm probably, I'm probably at a six, I would say. The one thing that gives me confidence, it's almost like being in a contract here, is he, he's done. Like, if he, if he struggles this year, he's done. And I, he knows that. Everybody knows that. So it's almost like that desperation factor. He knows the offense has to be more explosive. He knows the playbook has to open up and expand. So, and we saw it in the preseason. Again, I do want to, I mean, we have to see in the regular season. Um, but I think that that desperation factor almost gives me a little bit of confidence out of him. Last year, I think he went conservative, maybe too conservative. And like Josh said, maybe that wasn't fully his fault. But now, you know, year two, Pickett wants to take more ownership of the offense. And Canada knows he has to be better. So I'm probably, I would say, right around a six. I mean, we're going to know everything we need to know about. Uh, I mean, we should know everything we need, need to know about this team uh, by the week six bye, right? Because you open up against the 49ers, a tough test. Uh, you have two divisional games uh, in there against the uh, uh, against the Browns and, of course, the uh, against the, uh, what, the Ravens, I think. And then uh, mixed in there are, are, are a couple games that you, you, you know, one of them obviously out in Vegas against the Raiders and then one against uh, the Texans. And my God, if they lose that one, the uh, way things are, are, are looking right now, uh, look out. But, I mean, there's a mix of, what I'm getting at is th these five games, I feel, and really the game coming out of the bye, too, against the Rams, uh, th this team's first six games really sets up to me overall decent for, you know, be beyond decent for them. And in other words, I let's take it through the bye week and, and, and through the, the Rams game. We, sh we should know everything about this, you know, what we need to know about this team by that time, correct? Yeah, we, we have to. I mean, it, this isn't like last year where, okay, just get to the week nine bye. We'll figure it out after that. I, I think the pieces are in place. So we need to know, you know, kind of those first six games. And, and just to put a number on it, I think they got to come out of those first six games at a minimum of four and two. And we have to know about this team overall, one way or another. Because uh, I, I don't think there is going to be a drastic second half change from a philosophical standpoint like there was maybe last year. Joe? Can I... Go oh, ahead, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Joe. You're fine. Go ahead. Go ahead, Joe. Uh, yeah, I think anything less than four and two in those first six games would probably be a little bit of a cause for concern because the schedule gets tougher the second half of the year, especially the way they end the season. Those last three games are pretty brutal. Um, and if they lose three games, that means they either lost, they probably lost two divisional games or they lost a game to a Ra the Raiders or the Texans, a game they really shouldn't have lost. Um, so I think if they're if they're under four and two, then I'd be a little bit worried about the rest of the season. But yeah, we I mean we have to we have to know what this team is at that point of the season. I fully agree with that. I, I was going to switch gears and just ask a couple of kind of either or type questions. I want to get your guys' opinion on kind of like Dave did. Uh, let, let me start with this one, and Josh, I'll begin with you. Who has the most interceptions on the Steelers in 2023? Not named Minka Fitzpatrick. So you can't pick Minka, who has the most picks on the Steelers squad. I'll say Demonte Casey. I think he's he's okay. just got a nose for the football. Um, you know, I, I think we saw that the second half last year. As soon as he hit the field, he had a uh, you know some some plays against the Saints. So I'll, I, if he stays healthy, I'll say him. Joe. 
You're still muted, Joe. Uh-oh. Oh, we might have lost Joe there. Well, I'll I'll go to Dave here and ask the question. We'll see if Joe comes back. Dave, who has the most interceptions on this team? Not named Mika Fitzpatrick. You know what? I'm going. I'm going to I'm going to point to the fence here, and I'm going to say uh, Joey Porter Jr. Ooh, yeah, nice. Yeah. And you know, I mean, yeah, he only had the one in 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 college there, but I think this guy is brimming with confidence right now. Hell, he went through the George Pickens. Uh, gauntlet, uh, and yeah, you know, Pickens made some 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 plays in him. You know, obviously in training camp and all like that. But man, you want to talk about uh, you know breaking out the proverbial uh, uh, iron sharpens iron and all like that. And you know, Alex noted how much time he spent. I think this mm-hmm. guy's confidence is just uh, brimming. I think they'll. I, I think he's got the greatest shot at at, at getting in there sooner. Yeah. Rather, so I was with sooner. Sorry, can you hear me? Sooner hear rather me? than. Oh, oh, I think we got Joe back, but uh, Joe? can you hear us, Joe? Yeah, can you guys, can you guys get me now? I can hear you. My, I, I'm having weird issues. Can you guys hear me now? Yeah, yeah. Well, did, did, did okay. finish your thoughts, and I'm going to come back with you yeah, with a question. Yeah, perfect. Then. All right, but uh, I, I just once again, I, I just think he's brilliant. It's, it's, it's a. It, it is a weird kind of shot out there, especially with, with, you know, the, he didn't have the, the interception numbers coming out of college there, but I do think he's going to hit the field early uh, and all. And I think, uh, man, that, that guy's long, <laughs> that, that guy's long. And I, I think they're going to throw him a couple of footballs. So I'll say, I'll, I'll say Joey Porter jr. How many, how many do you think he ends with? Are we talking like three, four? What do you think? Uh, I'll go three. I'll go three. Okay. Joe, most interceptions, not naming of it's Patrick. Yeah, I was with Josh. I like Casey, but I think I'm going to go with Levi Wallace. I mean, he had four mm-hmm. last season. He's, he's shown a nose for the ball. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, throughout his career, he's kind of, kind of been a guy who's shown off his ball skills, picked up a few passes. Uh, I think he might get targeted a lot this year, and I think he's going to make quarterbacks pay. Like, I could see him four or five this season. Uh, definitely wouldn't surprise me. I think Levi Wallace is going to be a guy for this team. And that's answer, a contract year, too. Answer your own question, Alex. You know, I, I I I don't know if I'm going to go with the spicy take. I might I might lean into it. I'm going to do some stats predictions. I, I was surprised nobody said Patrick Peterson. I I don't know if he'll have the outright lead in second place. He may be tied. How about T.J. Watt? Two picks last year in ten games. <laughs> Joe Burrow has to hate going against this guy. His ability to read quick game and get his hands up. You know, I, I think he picks off maybe three this year and ends up tied in second place with somebody. Uh, it's spicy. I, I was spicy. I was going to ask if it was a concern that nobody said Patrick Peterson. Right. I like the Watt one. That's 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 calling your shot right there, Alex. I, I'll say the Peterson and Watt are tied in second place behind Minka. All right. Next question. Uh, speaking, we'll stay with TJ Watt here. Over under 20 sacks for him this season. And Josh, I'll start with you. I want to say over. I know everyone wants to say I, over. Just, will you say over? No, I. I'll say he gets to like eighteen. I but, uh-huh. man, I would love to see the over on, on twenty twenty and a half. But I'll I'll say eighteen, and I think that's just because the depth that they have behind him, they'll feel more comfortable putting that on the field at times to keep him fresh. Okay, Joe. Yeah, I'm gonna go under as well. I think. You know they don't they don't need him to stay on the field as much. I think as much rest as they can give him, they're I mean they're they're going to keep him on the field. But we saw how much of a mess they were, and he went down last season. They have guys like Golden and Herbig's flashed. I mean Hayward he gets the quarterback, Highsmith they get to the quarterback. So they got guys that can do it. I think. I mean I, I wouldn't be surprised if it went over, but I ultimately don't think it'll happen. I think he'll be right around that 16, 17, 18 number that Josh threw out. Dave. Yeah, I I. I... 
as much as not that it's an indictment on him at all. I think he could obviously go over. Uh, I view him more in that 18 range as well, too. And for the mere fact is I don't think they'll need him to, you know, that if this if this defensive line stays healthy and obviously TJ is going to get a lot of attention through, I think I think just his mere presence alone and his ability to go over creates more sack opportunities elsewhere that he doesn't get there. So uh, once again, not an indictment on him, but if asked to go over uh, 20, I'm going to have to take the under. Man, I thought someone would have taken the over on TJ Watt here. Uh, I guess I'm going to go, I'm going to go push. I think he gets 20 on the button and I think he has a big week one. I think he gets two and a half or three in this uh, 49ers matchup on Sunday. All right. Cam Hayward, similar question, but will he get 10 sacks over under 10 sacks for Cam Hayward uh, of interior defense alignment age 34 or older? Only two since 2000 have had more than seven in a year. It's an article I've, I've written today for Steagles Depot. Can Cam Hayward defeat farther time? And so the only two that have had at least seven at Hayward's age are John Randall and Warren Sapp. Hayward with 10 sacks at least each of the last two seasons. Long way to ask the question, and Joe, I'll begin with you. Over under 10 sacks for Cam Hayward. I'm going to go over. Um, he's shown he can do it before, and I think this year, you know, he's he's talked about how he feels like he's been snubbed by analysts in the media, which like doesn't really matter, but he's playing with a chip on his shoulder, not unlike Anthony Brown. Um, but I think <laughs> he's, I think he's going to. I think he's going to do it. I think he's shown off that he can do it. He hasn't really shown any signs of slowing down. Um, yeah, I think he'll defeat Father Tom. I think he can get to 12 this season. Dave, will Cam Hayward hold off Father Time another year? I'm going to take the push and go right at okay. 10 here. Uh, he might have three against the Texans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if a, if a certain Kendra Green suits up. Uh, and I, 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 I think he's going to have two multi-sack games uh, this year. And then just once again, uh, uh, kind of a, a byproduct of the whole Watt and the rest of the, you know, uh, you know, you got a situation where I think a lot of these guys can eat up front there. Uh, I like the schedule that, that they're going to be facing uh, with some of these guys uh, in there as well, too. So I think he hits multi-sack games twice, and I think he ends up with a dead even 10 sacks if he stays healthy. Okay, Josh? Yeah, I'm not doubting Cam Hayward. Like, I, I, I can't do it. So I'm saying over. Um, I have just the images of what he did to Donald Parham last year in the Raiders game. Uh, if Kendrick Green plays week four, God help that Texans quarterback. Um, yeah, it's over. That guy has shown no slides, of, uh, you know, no signs of slowing down. Uh, and I've just I've learned not to doubt him when it comes to anything. So that's an over for me. How long he continues to do it? No clue, but uh, he is he is a freak talent, and and it's definitely an over. I'm going to create some bulletin board material for Hayward. Who, oh, no. You guys know I'm a huge fan. I'm going to take the under. He didn't hit 10 until the literal last play of last season, so I'm going to take the under slightly. I got two more questions for you guys. More yards, Deontay Johnson or George Pickens? Who has more yards this year? Uh, Joe, I'll begin with you. Yeah, I wrote it a couple months ago. I think I think this is going to be the year for Pickens. I think, you know, he's shown off that he can do more than just catch contested ball go routes. Um, I think he's shown off, you know, they can run some slants, run some hitches, run some goes. There's going to be opportunities for him to create chunk plays and also 
get get his underneath. So I think, you know, Deontay still might be the number one receiver, but I can see Pickens getting 1250, 1300 yards this season and overtaking Deontay as the top dog in the offense. Josh? Yeah, I'm going Deontay. Uh, I think this guy's going to have a big year overall. Uh, I think obviously they're going to take more shots down the field to him. I think you're going to see him in the middle of the field a little bit more. And I think he's going to get back to kind of who he was earlier in his career from a yak perspective. I think he's a very dynamic, elusive guy with the football in his hands. And I think he's going to, he's going to hit a couple big plays. So I'm going to go Deontay. I'm, I'm all in on Deontay this year. Dave, you got to break the tie. Uh, I, Look, I, I think they are end up within 50 yards of each other mm-hmm. uh, here, but uh, I am going to go with Deontay here. I just think his, I think he out, I think he has a few more receptions than uh, Pickens will have overall. And while Pickens will, should deliver more explosive plays, I think uh, the, the, the volume gives Deontay just a hair uh, of, of of an advantage there, so I would take uh, I would take Deontay there, but I, I do think that the whichever way it finishes there, I, I think they're within fifty yards of each other receiving. Okay. I think it'll be very very close. I'm wrestling with it a lot. I'm going to lean Pickens right now, but I'll let you know my final stat predictions later this week. Last question for you guys, kind of a fun one: more twenty plus yard gains from scrimmage, Najee Harris or Calvin Austin? Josh, I'll start with you. More 20-plus oh, yard games man. from scrimmage this year. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go Najee just based off the 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 amount of work he's going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know historically he doesn't he doesn't do it often, and, and Calvin Austin can rip off a 70-yarder in the blink of an eye. But I'm going to go Najee. I think Najee's poised for a, a big year overall behind a rebuild offensive line. He's healthy. I think quietly he he's – Got a chip on his shoulder a little bit and wanting to prove people wrong. Uh, so I'm going to go nausea in that one, but that is a, a very difficult one to to lean that way. Dave, am I putting this on a T for you or not? Because I know you've talked about this a lot in both ends, but go ahead. You know which way I'm going on this. Uh, uh, it's got to be Calvin Austin. I mean, you're talking about a guy that once every four times in college, he, he, uh, he touched the, the football, uh, you know, deli- delivered an explosive play there. And uh, I mean, we're, we're talking flat out explosive plays, right? 20 yards or more, right? From scrimmage though. Right. But now he's going to touch the ball probably 200 times more than yeah, Calvin Austin. I, I, but I, I, I think, I think Calvin Austin tops him in the explosive play category. Okay. All right, Joe, you're breaking the tie here. Yeah. I'm going to go with Calvin Austin too. I do think Najee's going to have a big year, but I think it's going to be more on those five, six, seven yard runs. He's never really been like a big explosive guy, even dating back to Alabama. Uh, and that's literally Calvin Austin's role is to create splash, create explosive, create explosive plays. He's done it his whole career. So I think, I mean, volume, obviously Harris is going to get more touches, but I think Austin's going to be more explosive. All right. Fair enough. I don't know how I'm going to answer it. And I asked the question, so I'm going to pass on answering it right now. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I might be behind the eight ball week one. Austin might touch the ball six times and have three of them and and Najee not at all. So I I just. Ugh. They they certainly need that aspect from yes. from from him. And you know, look, I mean, Najee can help this offense by stacking up these seven yard gains. You know, give give me a plethora of seven yard uh, runs or catches and all like that. And Najee's done his part. I'm not expecting him to li- to sure. deliver the explosive play, but uh, get get me those seven yards at uh, at, 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 a, at a time there. 
I do think Najee will have more explosive plays, a better O-line, maybe a better screen team. It's been a long time since Pittsburgh could run some screens, but I think they've they've been adamant about it during during camp, and I think they'll be better at it with guys like, say, Malu out in space. All right, Dave, uh, any final questions? I think you want to get to maybe one one big one here to, to wrap things up. Yeah, let's uh, let's start first and foremost. Uh, tell me what the Steelers' record will be uh, in 2023, and will they win a playoff game? And or will they win? You know, uh, is is the Super Bowl window open this year? I'm nervous to give my prediction, but I'll, uh-uh. I'll go out there. Twelve and five. Ooh. Uh, they're not going to win the division because I think that the, the the Bengals are just ridiculous. They will win a playoff game, though. Uh, I haven't put together, you know, my division predictions overall for the entire league. So I don't know how it's going to shake out, but I do think that this is a team that wins a playoff game this year, learns how to win, you know, in January. And I think next year, the Super Bowl window is open. So you think they will be playing divisional weekend, Josh? Yes, I I do. Yes. All right. So Josh, 12 and five, Joe, what say you? I'm really trying to talk myself into 11 wins, but I just don't know if I can put it out there. I'm confident in 10 and seven. Um, and I do think, I think it, it might depend on how they finish the season. If they go in the postseason with momentum, but I do think they're going to want a playoff game. Even if it's an upset, I think this is the year they have the talent. They, they're so motivated to do it. TJ Watts never won a playoff game with the Steelers that I think they're going to pull it off one way or another, uh, 10 and seven. Yes. To a playoff game, Super Bowl, No, but I think they'll make it to at least divisional weekend. Okay, and Dave, I'm guessing we're going to save our predictions right. for Friday's show. We're, yeah, we'll tease the people a uh, cu- couple more shows here and, and deliver that on Wednesday, I think. All right, good deal. Any final thoughts? Any final questions, Dave, you wanted to ask the guy? Yeah, just, uh, yo, we're, how, how far have you come from the way this team has looked, you know, uh, you know coming out of the 2022 season and and until now, you know, how, how much have you been swayed? I mean, we talk all the time about man, let's keep a balance here. Uh, let let's be as a, 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 as objective as possible. But I mean, you stack up what I would like to call a damn near perfect uh, uh, off season. This team, you know, how, how much have you? How much has your you know overall uh, outlook for this team changed since last year's Super Bowl? Yeah, I've I've really had to kind of check myself in the last few weeks of like, okay, let's let's take a step back, reset here. I've been swayed significantly, uh, honestly. I mean, at the end of last year, before Pickett, you know, kind of had that magic late in the year against the Raiders and the Ravens. Uh, I was kind of just like, ah, this ceiling is, is so limited on this team. And then the initial hours into free agency, you lose Cameron Sutton, which I thought there was no chance he was going anywhere. Uh, that kind of took the air out of the balloon. But then what Con and Weidel did with this roster, I mean, free agency was was really solid. The draft was, I mean, it's still hard to imagine that draft went as well as it did for the Steelers. And then everything they've done, you know, leading up to training camp, how they've looked in training camp and preseason. I mean, I've been swayed significantly. And uh, there's just, there's an excitement. And I think it circles around one guy. And when you feel you have a guy at the quarterback position, I think that that expectation and that overall excitement is 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 hard to to temper in a sense, and and that's where I'm at. I mean, 
you know, I, I go back. Jonathan Hytrader wrote an article a couple weeks ago and used a tweet that I had after the Steelers selected Pickett. You know, I was concerned when uh, Kevin Colbert was up there talking about Pickett's uh, floor and, and how they liked his floor. And it concerned me that they were talking about his floor and not his ceiling. Uh, and here we are a week away from him starting his second year in the NFL. He's unquestionably the guy uh, at the position for this franchise. And I've come really far on him. Uh, I don't really have a ton of concerns overall. And it's just, that's, I think that's where my, my, my anticipation and excitement hope for this team is right now. And it's because of number eight under center. Joe, how far have you come? Or have you? Yeah, I've I've came I've come very very far. When they drafted Pickett, I just remember I was not happy. I thought I mean I thought he was going to be average. He's he's a guy you know you can build around him, maybe make the playoffs a couple of years, but that was what he was going to be. I think he's shown that he can be a little bit more than that. Um, I mean it's he said he's saying all the right things at least, and the way he looked this preseason definitely provides some confidence uh, at least for this season going forward. Um, and then the way this offseason went was literally uh, probably as good as it could have gone. Um, all of our complaints earlier were relatively minor in the scheme of things. So I really think that Con and White will have taken an aggressive approach to building the roster to make them into a team that can really start to compete for Super Bowls next season, next couple of years, become a top flight team in the AFC. And that's not something I thought they would be in Kenny Pickett's second, third going forward from where he is in his career now. So I've I've changed my thoughts on this team and where they are now and in the future quite a bit in the last couple of seasons, and especially in this offseason. All right. All right. No, Let's no, more, hope. No, no more questions, Your Honor. <laughs> Let's hope the, the good feelings continue as we get ready for week one against the 49ers Sunday at 1 o'clock at Acrisure Stadium. Josh and Joe, thank you guys so much for being on. I'm sure we'll have you guys back on the podcast throughout the season. You can follow Josh on Twitter at by Josh Carney. Follow Joe on Twitter at jclark1233. Thank you guys so much for being on, and we're going to talk to you soon. And welcome back to the Terrible Podcast. And again, our special thanks to Josh Carney and Joe Clark. Be sure to follow those guys on Twitter. And as we said, we'll try to get Jonathan Hytrider and some others on the podcast a little bit later in the year. Really good discussion there. Good takes, good thoughts, I thought, from Joe and Josh. Yeah, look, we don't, you know, probably not near enough. Don't have a, you know, uh, hopefully we'll add more of these kind of roundtables in, you know, throughout the season than, than we normally do. But, uh, and obviously we work with these guys daily. But uh, it is good to kind of get some of these kind of burning questions, if you will. And, you know, I I, I was uh, I, you know, the question I had about, you know, how, how much has your perception made your know, overall perception changed about this team? I thought that was an interesting question. I think all of us had kind of hot takes or, or point defense kind of takes uh, more so than others. But you know, I, I think the general takeaway from 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 both of them and having them on was the fact that, you know, they're they're more excited about this 2023 team than than let's say they were you know after last year's Super Bowl and and to me there's good reason uh uh for that to be the case. Sure, absolutely. I think there's a lot of reason to to be excited. I I knew whenever I asked you about Austin versus Najee, you were going to take Austin in terms of explosive plays. How how much would I have to lower that on Najee's end for you to take Harris? If I said Austin 20 plus yard plays from scrimmage versus Harris 15 plus yard placement scrimmage, would you still go Austin or would you 
would you uh, switch to, to Najee Harris? I need I I would need Najee to be at ten. I think uh, for ten yards ex- okay. explosive plays. Uh, right, fair enough. I, and look, uh, you know, pe- people have no. Uh, you know, once again, I don't hate the player. I, I like I like the player. It's just you know from an explosive play aspect. It's just he's going to have to show me. And uh, uh, look, I, I I will even accept you know uh, ten yards as, as an explosive play. Uh, I do think that the ability is there for him to stack those uh, six, seven yard or more runs, you know, and if he does that, uh, this offense will look a lot different. It's already going to look different. You know, Mm -hmm. we hope, but you want to talk about maximizing the value of the offense by having someone like Najee uh, up, up his percentage of, of of runs or or pass you know receptions that gain six or seven or more more yards. I mean, you want you're talking about a lot of second and short situations potentially uh, in that. And once again, you know, twenty yards yes is, is technically an explosive play when it comes to runs. It's you know as Mike Tomlin likes to say, the it's universal that it's, that it's ten yards. But uh, you know, okay, uh, I I won't. I I promise not to ding Najee Harris every time he gets if he gets 19 yards. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I will applaud that. It's just it's not it hasn't been in his uh, nature, even dating back to sure. college, to, to to deliver those kind of plays. But if you want to take, uh, I just I, I I'm a, I'm 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 a heavy buyer on Calvin Austin. I, I think he's I gonna know. I think he's gonna uh, deliver uh, his fair share of explosive plays, and they need they need that to happen too. They do in the worst way. I, I thought your question to the guys about Matt Canada was interesting. Where would you describe your feeling of Matt Canada this year? Would you say confident, indifferent, uncertain, pessimistic? How would you describe any feelings you currently have towards Matt Canada? Uh, I am kind of indifferent to it, at least to start the season, because I feel I feel Kenny's got I, – I feel the two – are on the same wavelength now. Uh, I do feel like, you know, they didn't, they wanted to protect Kenny more from himself uh, and, and his lack of NFL action. Uh, now that's, I'm not defending Canada and all that. Cause I obviously think Canada, sure. Canada could have, could have done a better job, but, but where I'm going with this is I think uh, Kenny is, is mature and confident enough now to have some, uh, conversations with Matt saying, look, this is what, this is what I, I'd like to do. This is what we need to do. Uh, I think the two can have a better, a better working relationship than they had than just all oh, just a rookie in, and in, in his first year, uh, offensive coordinator there. I think, and I, I think it's up to Canada to lower his ego, to accept a lot more input from Kenny, uh, this year. So I, uh, it's more, I'm more indifferent and willing to go on either side of that based on obviously what we see in these first five or six games here. But uh, uh, I, I don't want to say I, I'm in no way confident in that. Mm-hmm. I, I my, my confidence lies more with the quarterback this year than it does with the offensive coordinator, if that makes sense. Sure. And the talent which surrounds him, which obviously has been upgraded. Yeah, I, I think Pittsburgh was intentionally hyper conservative last year. And that was even a directive that probably was above Canada's head. That probably came down from Mike Tomlin. We don't want to turn the ball over. We're going to be super, super conservative. Pittsburgh can and should and needs to open things up this year. 
And I think they will. But in terms of my feeling on Canada, it truly is. I try to be as much as possible. Just just blank slate. Just etch a sketch and erase the whole thing, the whole messy picture, and start anew. Because I think Joe said it well. You know, no excuses. The time is now for Canada to produce. It is put up or shut up, and and, and that's the bottom line. And look, if he has, you know, if this offense looks good, the first three, four games, or 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 or, or what have you, uh, they they have to still be have the ability to not rest on their laurels there and continue to to manipulate this offense and, and progressively build on top of everything and i that would probably be one of my biggest concerns is okay they come out of first you know four five uh, six games looking good are are they, are, are they going to be able to stack on onto that sure. or, or, or or teams going to be able to catch on to that it's a fair question, but hopefully Pittsburgh finds themselves in those shoes that we can talk about come the bye week and say things are going well. Can they continue that and, and carry that over? And, and if that's the case, then that's a better situation they've been in for most starts of the seasons of, of recent nature. Right. Now, without a doubt, I mean, if they if they don't get in there and win a playoff game, uh, and they, even if they do get in there and win a playoff game, if it still looks ugly, uh, he's going to be out of a job. Yeah, no doubt about that. All right, Dave, we'll wrap things up and do so with a couple of reader emails to close out today's show. All right, let's uh, do that. I think we got a couple in the in the uh, email machine here. We'll start with uh, Nicholas Gooden says, uh, do you think it's possible that at some point this season we could see Dan Moore and Broderick Jones actively rotating at left tackle every other drive or something like that? He says, it seems like a bad idea, but interested in your thoughts. Uh I'm not going to sit here and say unequivocally that we won't won't see that, but to me, I would think you'd want to get a uh, 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 the age old thing. If you have two, <laughs> if you have two <laughs> left tackles, you don't have one. Uh, yep. If if you make a move to take Dan Moore off that field at left tackle and put Broderick Jones uh, in there, then my personal opinion would be to roll roll with it uh, from from there. Now. Once again, I, I, I don't want, want to unequivocally say you won't see any, but it doesn't kind of it doesn't fit what they've done in the past mm-hmm. or, or, or anything like that. So I would be surprised if we saw a rotating by every other drive or three series here and three series there uh, for one game you know, for, for, for one game, uh, not game one guy uh, over another. I, I would be surprised if we saw that. I can't answer, as you said, unequivocally for what the team will do. I sure hope they don't do that. If you're getting to the point where you want to play Broderick Jones, just start Broderick Jones full time. And the rotation's not good for anybody, especially a rookie trying to, you know, get his feet wet and, and get a rhythm for this thing. I, I really despise the idea of in-game rotations like that. So um I, I would not expect that. As you said, they they don't traditionally do that. This is a bit of a different situation with a first round lineman who's sitting, which is uncommon in Pittsburgh. Uh, in probably most places, but I would expect that you were going to have one guy until you don't, and you'll make a change. That change will be will be made fully. All right, uh, Dustin Rush writes in. First of all, thank uh, the two of you and the entire uh, Depot crew for the incredible content this summer. If the two of you could relive a single moment in Steelers history, what would it be? Also, P.S. Alex is way off base with the journey over Queen Take. Ooh, uh, still getting that. Uh, look, I. Uh, I, I I would have liked to say, I would like to say that uh, I I was there for the immaculate reception, you know. Yeah, I mean that's that's an, an easy one, I think for sure. Um, I mean to give a different answer, I think that's probably the one most people who weren't there, and it sounds like there were about two hundred thousand Steeler fans I met that have been were at the immaculate reception. Funny enough, but um, 
I, I'm the very much the the old school traditionalist and historian. I try to be with Pittsburgh. So how about their very first game in 1933 against the New York Giants? It was not a probably not a fun one to watch. Pittsburgh losing 23 to two. Only points they're on a safety off of a block punt, but just to see the first game to uh to now, I think would be just a cool historical perspective. Uh, I, 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 second place would probably for me probably be their fourth, uh, Super Bowl, you know, uh, win against the Rams because I was very in tune, uh, as a young Steelers fan at that point, not, you know, not that I wasn't before then, but I mean, I was, I was, I was, I was uh, middle school at the time and, you know, every, you know, I, I was, I was all in everything Steelers, obviously by that point and all like that. And, you know, I have a lot of uh, memories from, from that Super Bowl and all uh, at, 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 you know, at that age and all like that. So if there's one, uh, one Super Bowl, I, I, you know, win that I could say that I was wish, wish I would have been present for, it would probably have been their fourth, uh, their fourth Super Bowl. And to give a bit more recent answer than what I gave, how about the 08 title game against Baltimore? Troy's pick six to put Pittsburgh into the Super Bowl. I think that would have been just mm. the environment. I mean, they said it's the loudest that the, that stadium has ever been. That that would have been really, really special. All right. Uh, that's all we got in the email machine, uh, Alex. And you have a couple of announcements for, for live stream and all like that? Yeah, I should mention that, uh, again, this is being recorded Sunday, airing Monday. There will be no live stream tonight, just from a scheduling standpoint for week one, week two. I think it's better for us to have the live stream next Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern time post 49ers game to discuss that. In that way, we're not going to have a confliction a week after that with the Browns game, which is the Monday nighter. So no live stream uh, today, Monday. There'll be, we'll have one after the 49ers game. That'll be, I guess, on the 11th will be the uh, the live stream. All right, and uh, shout out once again to uh, uh, Josh Carney and Joe Clark for sitting in today on the roundtable. Unfortunately, Jonathan Heitreter is moving out to California. Uh, I got to have breakfast with him uh, Sunday morning there. He, he came through Vegas on his way there, so it was good to catch up with him. And you know, we hope to have him uh, part of future roundtables uh, like we've had him on uh, in the past there. So uh, shout out to those guys uh, uh, once again, uh, Josh Carney and Joe Clark for sitting in today. And Alex and I will be back on Wednesday. We'll have our predictions for the upcoming season uh you know start uh, getting you ready for a little bit more for uh steeders versus 49ers in week one sunday so uh in the meantime you can follow me on twitter at steeders depot follow alex at alex underscore kazora follow the show at terrible podcast email the show the terrible podcast at gmail.com uh, if you want to donate, steedersdepot.com, hit the donate button up right navigational bar. Also, if you'd like an ad-free version of the site, steedersdepot.com, hit the ad-free uh, button up right navigational bar and follow the directions that way. So uh, in the meantime, as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.